Okay, got my Zoom H1 handy recorder. Putting it in my pocket because I'm picking up my drumsticks. Did you got your drumsticks? I think you should go and get your drumsticks so that together we can create a short musical interlude drum roll for the beginning of the 2020s. It's a new decade. And what better way to usher it in than with a impromptu on the furniture drum roll. Boom, boom, and there it is. Welcome to the 2020s and background sounds of life on the Hope for You Humanist. So, salutations, welcome to spiritual blitherings, philosophical ponderings, and everything ramblings at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. Today we're gonna to talk about ideas and flow of the good life resources for our spiritual toolbox, t-shirt ideas, novel first sentences, and etc. moments at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. I'm your host, Steve, the Hopeful Humanist. And I wanna welcome you, I know it's debatable, to the beginning of a new decade and a new year. I'm in the process of contemplating my vision board going forward for the next uh, three years. In episode 15, vision boards and family sabbaticals, I kinda identify that uh, Instead of just doing the usual resolution thing, that maybe it could be helpful uh, and, and provide greater guidance and you know, the everyday reminders if we had a vision board somewhere located in our homes that we trafficked it quite frequently and it could be that uh, that reminder about the things that we need to do, the things that are important to us. So usually I have a vision board up on the wall somewhere in the house for over nine years. Last year I didn't do it. Even after I made the uh, episode on vision boards and family sabbaticals, I never got around to creating that vision board. And uh, that's something that I want to do this year. And, and I, I, I thought, you know, usually the talk before Christmas is uh, about resolution. What are you going to do? Uh, there's a couple of interesting links I'll provide. There's one about uh, dry January. <laughs> there's a little uh, comical skit about a person and her challenge to move forward with uh, dry, dry January. I guess the idea is that a lot of people do a lot of celebrating and includes a lot of you know, wine and alcohol, uh, beer. Um, and so they're thinking in, in January, I should slow down and take it easy. You know, some people might think their new year resolution is to, to swear less or just be more conscious of their swearing. Uh, I was thinking, I wanna tackle this in a, from a different direction. And but before I get there, so yeah, the, the name of episode 27 is called Feeding and Extinguishing the Fire of Dot, Dot, Dot. And the dot, dot, dot can be whatever you want it to be, and we'll, we'll explore that. But um, so it's the beginning of the new year, and already 
there's some really interesting articles out there. I often go to the cbc.ca network and there are a number of different news stories about the things that are happening in life for different groups and, and the, the idea of anxiety or the idea of depression and burnout. So I, I'm just going to note that uh, these are some of the things in the background that people are struggling with that does seem to be connected and linked to increased reports of anxiety, depression, burnout. And my thought is in the feeding extinction fire of dot, 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 that we might look at a way that we kind of stand up to those things. But uh, just in terms of the, uh, the interest in some of these uh, news titles, here's one. Precarity, debt, and social media. BuzzFeed writer Anne Helen Peterson on the modern brand of burnout. And that's uh, on CBC Radio Tapestry. Uh, there's another one here. Computer's slow to get uh, to where I want it to go. And this one, I guess, is more for uh, high university-oriented uh, individuals. It says, you're not lazy, you're just overwhelmed. Nine time management tips for students and everyone else. This is on uh, Life Wellness CBC. I listened to this uh, podcast on uh, CBC Radio. And this article, um, this up podcast is called, just kind of stroll, scrolling up here. Come on, cooperate with me. Technology's not always doing what you want it to do. So Gen X women are facing a midlife crisis. This author says we're not taking it seriously. I think that's an exciting um, title. And that's uh, CBC Radio The Current. So I'm not going to provide the links necessarily for those articles, uh, radio podcasts. But I'm just, there's this theme out there. And, you know, in terms of this theme, I think that uh, there are a number of books that, uh, that could be helpful in terms of like this self-help focus, uh, this uh, self-help mentality. But I, I do want to emphasize that, you know, a lot of this is stuff that we shouldn't be tackling by ourselves. We need community. We need to be a part of a community and that community hopefully will be, you know, family, friends, loved ones, and uh, whatever other um, professionals we might need to bring on board to provide that scaffolding to help us as it's hard to be healthy in this world. So in terms of some recommended reading resources, I, I'd like to suggest, because of the stuff that uh, we're, we're kind of dealing with in terms of millennials are burnt out and Gen X women are going through midlife crises and the, the, the various challenges of there's just too much to do and not enough time. We don't have the time affluence that we would like in our lives. And you organize your life and you, you get a schedule that works for you and then all of a sudden something else is plopped, dropped on your plate. And we, we can't hold our plates. It's too heavy. Uh, sometimes maybe uh, the weight of whatever's on the plate is possibly causing it to crack and break. So 
we need to build community, but in terms of building community, there might be some tools that we can pick up, different resources, different books, and we can start talking about them. So one of the recommended readings I have before I get to uh, my highlight um, activity of uh, exploring this feeding and extinguishing the fire of dot, 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 which is a hopeful humanist construction slash creation, would be happiness. Now, I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to make an error with the name. Um, happiness by Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, a prolific writer, uh, a Buddhist writer, and has really made Buddhism accessible um, for many of us, for myself. And in happiness, this is a nice compliment to the last podcast I did on Mindfulness is Hard. And the author kind of talks about different ways that we can be mindful, whether we're sitting, standing, walking, um, doing the dishes, that in terms of everything that we do, that because we think too much, if we can kind of bring ourselves into the moment, stop those automatic negative thoughts, those ants, that we might open ourselves up to experiencing um, a wonderful kind of emptiness and uh, kind of a resting in place and space and not being uh, pulled this way or, or that way and out of the moment. Uh, in there, there's a chapter or a section, because I listened to the audiobook. I got it through my local public library. And in there, there is reference to, I think, forest bathing or uh, something about uh, trees and how going outside and being in nature and amongst trees is really helpful. And the, the author has suggested that there could be some real benefits in hugging a tree. And you know what? Uh, struggling with my concussion, knowing I'm open to trying uh, anything that's going to help me get uh, clarity of thought again and the headaches and all that jazz can go away. Um, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try this. So I did. I went out and I and, and before the coming of the new year, uh, the, the new decade, the 2020s, and as I uh, welcomed uh, stepping into the 2020s, the new year, I, I again... Uh, found uh, my tree out front. Didn't have to look far because it's right out front. And I, and I gave it a hug. In terms of uh, why I decided to hug this particular tree, I decided to hug this particular tree because at times when I was really struggling with some uh, symptoms, I would sit out on the front because the cold would distract me from headaches. And, and I felt like that tree out front was kind of like a companion when I was practicing mindfulness. And there was a point where, you know, this idea that I can count on the tree, the tree is unconditionally going to be there, that there's a, there's a strength and, and a continuity uh, in the tree. Uh, I, I felt kind of compelled to go and give the tree a hug. And it did feel, it did feel good. So I don't know, maybe one of the things that uh, we might do as a, a reminder about slowing down because I think that's the biggest message that I've kind of become aware of in terms of um, going through my recovery uh, with my concussion is that we, the, the pace at which we're moving is unsustainable. It's just, we're just, we're just too busy. And as a result, people are getting burnt out. 
So um, maybe, maybe you're going to want to hug a tree. Hopefully you'd be able to find that book at uh, your local library. Another recommended reading <clears throat> is uh, The Happiness Curve by Jonathan Rausch. And in it, he expands the idea of the formula for happiness. So for many listeners, the idea of the formula for happiness is uh, probably very familiar. But for those that it wouldn't be as familiar, the formula is H, happiness, uh, our level, self-reported levels of happiness, is equal to C, which, uh, sorry, S, our emotional set point, which includes a range, which is kind of genetically um, determined, uh, plus C, which would be our circumstance, and apparently our circumstances account for about 10% of everything that goes into constituting our uh, reported levels of happiness and contentedness, and then um, plus V, where V is related to uh, volitional behavior, or it could be B, B, B or V, um, volitional behavior. The idea that we get from this book, The Happiness Curve, is that if you graph happiness over the lifespan, and I will put these links, just because if I got anything wrong, if I, if I mixed up some uh, ideas and thoughts, you can go directly to the source and, and uh, get clarification. But the idea is if you graph happiness over the lifespan, it looks like a U on a graph in the upper, you know, usual right quadrant. And uh, so happiness, reports of happiness, uh, observational indicators of happiness are high when we're young. And then there's a trough and, and, um, in, in, in the U where our happiness goes down. And then eventually it uh, moves upward again. The idea of the happiness curve is that Time itself, time and age, factor into playing a part about whether or not we're happy. So you can make some kind of general um, statements about, oh yeah, you know, like look at these kids, they're, they're eight years old, they're, they're playing outside, hide and go seek, uh, you know, and then on the weekend they'll be going to... Uh, swim at the local pool. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, generally speaking, the, the kids are happy. Right? And then you could probably make some general statements about in terms of time and age that when people get into their 40s, you know, many people in the 40s and, 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 and their 50s, you know, would be considered part of the sandwich, sandwich generation where you're taking care of kids and you have to worry about your parents. And they say, uh, there is a, an experience of chronic dissatisfaction. And the suggestion is it's, it's a function of time and age. And that while nothing drastically needs to change, simply moving into one's 50s, that happiness will go up. And the things that we were looking at in our early 40s or mid 40s that we were kind of questioning about, you know, is this all there is and, and was leading us to feel dissatisfied, discontent, those things can all still be in place and because of our 
change in attitude or change in perspective, um, we'll be okay with them. We'll be happy. So those two books, I think, are a really great kind of background um, setting or environment in, in which to situate our other discussion about feeding and extinguishing the fire of dot, dot, dot. So the idea of feeding and extinguishing the fire, I, I, first of all, I mean, if you could, it'd probably be helpful to get a piece of paper, maybe get some pencil crayons and, you know, some red, some brown, and, and, and draw a picture of a fire, right? A f I always imagine a campfire here. The campfire is to get some logs of wood at the bottom and, you know, you got some nice, beautiful flames burning. And it feels comfortable. You get, you get the sense of like, yeah, I want to be around this campfire. And, you know, after you draw that campfire, we're going we're gonna to label it something. We're going we're gonna to title it something. And on the one side, you know, if you could kind of draw this idea of a um, throwing on some more wood or some kind of fuel, I know that would be dangerous in, in real life to put on some like, a, you know, liquid fuel. But uh, so you just imagine throwing on some additional firewood on. There. And, and this is the side where, you know, it's kind of feeding the fire of. And, and we haven't named it yet. And on the other side, you can draw in a pail of water, some water, and it's extinguishing the fire of. Right? So we're feeding and extinguishing the fire of what? You know, we, we could be feeding and extinguishing the fire of a healthy brain after a concussion, right? So there are things that if I do these things will help or increase the likelihood that I'm going to have a healthy brain. There are these things that if I do these things, they're going to increase the likelihood that I'm going to possibly damage my brain even more. Um, and, and if not damage it, definitely interfere with its recovery. Right? So there's no guarantees. It's just that you know there are things that if we do them are likely to lead to kind of certain outcomes. Now we can use this idea of a fire and naming it, we can name it, you know, feeding and extinguishing the fire of depression, feeding and extinguishing the fire of anxiety, feeding and extinguishing the fire of sexual promiscuity, feeding and extinguishing the fire of good mental health, feeding and extinguishing the fire of time well spent. That's the one I want to focus on. That's the one I want to get to. But before I get there, just want to identify like kind of what we're doing is uh, by using this tool, the feeding and extinguishing the fire tool, we're creating an opportunity for us to build these things called rationales. So I went to a training uh, a number of years ago, and it was called Transition to Independence Process Training. And it introduced a number of different ideas and concepts and tools to help youth and young people transition into independence as uh, young adults, to, to move into adulthood. I prefer the idea of not so much of independence, but interdependence, because I think we are social creatures and we need one another. But in this program, in this training, 
they, they talked about this thing that I think we're all familiar with, but they did it in a really wonderful way. And it's a program, I, I think I should give some credit and, and recognition here um, about uh, whose ideas these are. I'm going to just uh, background sounds of life here. Um, I'm, uh, I lost my page. Well, if I, if I do locate it, I'll, I will say it out loud. Otherwise, I'll just include it in the, the, uh, the notes. Oh, here it is. Tip model. Copyright 2000 by H.B. Clark, also known as Rusty Clark. And uh, he was providing practices for improving outcomes for youth and young adults with emotional and behavioral um, challenges. And so I, I went to this training and they, and they talked about this one specific tool that I thought was pretty interesting. It's called Rationales. And they say, um, I, I'm looking at the handbook here in uh, 2.1, uh, where it talks about the purpose of a rationale. It says, um, the rationales are to help young people and, and adults make rational, logical decisions, understand how learning new skills can benefit them, feel a sense of control of the outcome of their behavior, strengthen choice and self-determination, learn the impact of their behavior and choices, impact self and others, learn the impact of their behavior and choices impact self and others. I think they could clean that up a little bit. Um, but so yeah, so a rationale is a simple, specific description of something to do or not to do. And it's a reason to do or not to do something that's meaningful to the young person. So what we can do is we can construct rationales with the feeding and extinguishing of the fire of whatever it might be. And in this case, I want to explore time well spent. So the question is, is the way in which you use your time, is that important to you? If it's not important to you, then you can't really construct a rationale for it. Uh, it's, it's, it's not going to be motivating. But if the time that, the way that you spend your time is important to you, right? Then we can say, well, you know, this, let, let's think about this and let's think about the things that if we do these things will help us feel like we've used our time well, it was the time well spent. Um, and, and it can be a reminder and, a, and a, a rationale, a guiding statement for us to keep, to keep doing those things that we're going to do so we don't need the resolution. Right? And they can inform our vision boards in terms of the things that we want to put on our vision boards. So this idea of time well spent, I, I got to recognize where it comes from. And there's a young person, uh, a professional uh, in the business of technology. His name's Tristan Harris, and he is the founder of the Center for Humane Technology. And he used to be a design ethicist at Google. And during his time there, he recognized that uh, algorithms were being used to, in a sense, control and predict the ways in which people would use their time while on the computer and interacting with social media. He said, when it comes to the big corporations like Google and YouTube and Facebook, 
the goal is first to get your attention. They, they, they want to keep you absorbed in interactions with, with the network, right? So with the recommendation engine of YouTube, you know, you go on thinking, hey, I'm going to check about how do I, how can I um, take out my toilet and put in a new toilet? I'll go on YouTube and I'll do that. And then all of a sudden something, the recommendation engine suggests something else. And then, you know, maybe you watch that. And eventually it kind of veers off the original topic. And, you know, people talk about going down rabbit holes or bunny trails. And then people report, and it was as if I came out of a trance and two hours later, I recognized I just wasted two hours watching videos um, or following different links in terms of whatever social media platform they were using. And so Tristan Harris says, you know, this this is the starting point. And once they, they get your attention, the next goal is to get you addicted to other people's attention. So you start to post pictures on Instagram. And when you post pictures on Instagram, then you need to go on and look at how many people have liked? I don't. I don't have Instagram. I don't have Facebook. So maybe I'm uh, doing the, the the like thing and the follower thing. I'm confusing my platforms. But anyhow, the idea is that at some point we crave then the attention of other people in terms of the pictures that we post or the the news stories that we find interesting. And then we, um, you know, could these these things can be retweeted. And that the goal of the people uh, that are programming these algorithms is to get us to spend as much time on their social media platform as possible. And so he raised this idea of like maybe, be, and, and, and he's saying that, you know, the problem with this too is it's leading to the downgrading of humanity. It's leading to um, children being addicted to uh, social platforms. It's leading to insular thinking where people, they collect in terms of um, uh, groups with specific ways of thinking and, and a lack of tolerance and openness. And he, he's saying that, you know, it's, it's a race to the brain stem. And so it's preying on our human vulnerabilities and in terms of like the, the emotional cachet that this algorithm has and that uh, we should be thinking about better using our time so that we can have healthier relationships, that we can have healthier minds and healthier bodies. And so he raises the question of uh, this idea of time well spent. And uh, I thought, you know, that would be a great way to start a discussion for the beginning of a new decade, the 2020s, the beginning of this new year, uh, as opposed to the, the usual resolution talk. You know, what would be an example of time well spent? And so, you know, for me, I think one of the things uh, that it, it would definitely be an example of time well spent would be, you know, taking care of myself, um, you know, that self-care piece, focusing on and nurturing relationship, which paramount, it's, it's fundamental. 
to happiness and creating like healthy routines um, and, and making sure that uh, the things that I'm doing are meaningful and, and I've reflected upon them. So, but I mean, I, I'm going to leave that with you, the listener, to figure out, you know, can there be a feeding and extinguishing the fire of dot, dot, dot that you start off the new year as a reminder that if you do these things, you're going to get that outcome. Now, for me, the, the fire that I have been working on is feeding and extinguishing the fire of healthy of a healthy brain. And to feed that fire, you know, I need to get uh, some solid good, regular, unbroken sleep. I need to make sure I'm mindful about uh, and, and continue to build my, my circle of care in terms of my family and my friends. I, I got to make sure I don't overdo it, which is this idea of pacing and planning and filling up my gas tank. Uh, I got to get rest got to make sure I stay away from things that are, are going to kind of fudge up the synaptic interactions in, in my, my brain met network, my brain maps, you know, so wine, beer, and uh, coffee. I got to, I got to embrace some positive slogans or some positive affor, affor, uh, aphorisms, this idea of, you know, um, I'm not well, but I will get better. And, uh, or I, I am getting better, but I'm still room to get even better, and uh, to not to not isolate. Right now, those are the things that if I do those things, it increases the likelihood that I'm going to have a healthy brain. Now, there are certain things that if I do these other things, then I increase the likelihood that recovery will take longer. So if I ruminate on uh, my symptoms and my ants, like automatic negative thoughts, the idea of catastrophizing, um, the idea of uh, you know thinking that I can you know mind read and future tell, like you know this is what my life is going to look like. These are uh, people how they're going to feel about me. Um, that's going to extinguish the fire of a growing, improving, healthy brain. If I drink wine and, 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 uh, and I drink beers and I'm uh, taking uh, regular coffee every morning um, and I isolate, those are things that are not going to help me have the healthy brain that I want to have, uh, the clarity of thought that I want in my life. So you can take whatever fire you'd like and name it. And then think about the things that if you do those things that will allow you to have that kind of outcome. Now, the fire has to be meaningful, as I said. Right? The other interesting way of using this feeding, extinguishing the fire is realizing that on really some things, the things that, uh, uh, for instance, feeding the fire of a healthy brain, uh, those things are replenishing things. Those are the things that kind of fill up our gas tank. Uh, there, there's this uh, program called the uh, Parkwood Points Pacing System. And in terms of people that are struggling with, uh, with concussions, there's a bunch of different activities and then they get you to, to rate um, from zero to five how long after doing the activity it takes you 
to recover, you know, zero, uh, no, you have no symptoms after doing that activity, or two, you know, it takes about two minutes to recover. A five on here is, you know, five hours, you know, five is hours uh, slash days to recover, depending on, you know, what you're doing, i.e. Like going to a shopping mall or going back to work. The thing about uh, the feeding extinguishing the fire of dot, 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 is you could kind of use the idea of the Parkwood points pacing system to get an idea about whether or not you're doing the things you need to do to be where you want to be, right? So if, for instance, feeding extinguishing the fire of a healthy brain, um, getting good sleep, get like a good regular unbroken sleep is important. I can I can say that, you know, when that happens, you know, I, I kind of get replenished, you know, uh, out of a rate from zero to five, uh, at a five that, you know, I'm ready for the next day. And it can help you kind of take an inventory about the, the different things in terms of their, the intensity of their contribution to the outcome that you want. And then on the other side, you can identify how things take away and the, and the intensity in which they take away from the thing that it is that you want. Uh, it's kind of just a, a different variation of this Parkwood Points pacing system for the feeding extinguishing the fire of dot, dot, dot. So I'm going to use this, the uh, feeding extinguishing the fire dot, 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 and have it inform me in terms of the kind of vision board I want to construct for this, this year, for the next three-year period. And in doing that, I think there's a couple of quotes. I usually start a discussion off with my quotes, but I'm going to kind of end with my quotes. And uh, the, the first one is, and I'm sure if you go on and Google this, you can find the history um, behind uh, this, uh, this idea, this quote, this very common quote. Um, but I'm, I'm just going to let it stand on its own is uh, you are what you eat, right? So, you know, whatever it is that we're going to put into us in terms of, you know, food or thoughts or ideas or, you know, the energy of other people, it's going to impact us. And the, uh, the feeding and extinguishing the fire of dot, dot, dot really kind of brings the you are what you eat to life, right? Because if you do want certain things, if you do want good physical health, and if sitting in front of the TV is going to extinguish the fire of good physical health, but you're recognizing that, you know, you do that on a regular basis and it's resulting in inertia where you, you never just get off the couch and you're not going to the gym at all. Um, it's, it's a reminder that, you know, you got to change your diet, your you know, mental, spiritual, physical diet. And in terms of all of these things that are attempting to grab our attention and keep our attention, all these things that, you know, are challenging us in, in ways uh, that we're feeling burnt out or, you know, that midlife crisis, that there's just too much on our plate. Uh, I'd like to quote a character from a book from Melville. 
my friend told me about this book. And uh, I guess it was written uh, in a two-part short story version for a magazine by Herman Melville after uh, his novel, Moby Dick, tanked with its initial launch. And, and now it's a classic. It's considered like an incredible um, American classic. But in its day, it was not well received. And so he had to resort to writing short stories for uh, magazines because that would guarantee an, an, an income for him and his family. So he, he wrote this uh, short story called Bartleby the Scrivener, a story of Wall Street. And you can find the audiobook on YouTube. You could also find the audiobook for Moby Dick on uh, YouTube as well. And uh, the character has this, this very famous quote and in terms of imagine us trying to stand up to you know, all these social media giants that are saying, you know, log in and stay. Uh, the, the character, his, his famous uh, quote is, I would prefer not to. I would prefer not to. But to make sure that we stay on track, maybe it's time that, uh, and give yourself a drum roll, maybe it's time that after you hug a tree, that you get that paper and pencil, you draw yourself a fire with some wood at the bottom, and think about the things that if you do these things, it's going to feed the fire of dot, dot, dot. Or if you do these things, it's going to extinguish the fire of dot, dot, dot. Thank you for joining me for another blithering conversation at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. Peace and take care.